0: The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkee Town Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkee Town, please visit our website at www.durkeeTown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N.org. For that. um, we're going to do just a short little change up here. Um, I know the sermon text is Isaiah 25. We're not changing that. But we want to read first um, Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6, that um, will help us, I think, with the uh, larger work we're doing today out of um, the 25th and 26th chapter. Please follow along as I, as I read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this Hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord hath removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and it shall be eaten as a teal tree, and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. The word of the Lord. Now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Uh, you can go to Isaiah 25 now and as we come to our text in this series of songs of rejoicing and I realize that many of you were not able to be with us a week ago Saturday and Sunday this past week with church being uh, canceled due to weather issues uh, maybe missed where we are headed in Isaiah, but uh, we are uh, talking about songs of rejoicing from Isaiah, but as we come to the 25th and 26th chapter, we are faced with a very difficult question. How do we sing songs of rejoicing when the way down the highway that Isaiah envisions, this Highway of holiness is not filled with joy, but with deep darkness. The deep darkness, the kind of darkness that Isaiah describes in uh, chapter 26, in verses 16 to 18, when he writes, Lord, in trouble have they visited thee, they poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them, like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain. And crieth out in her pangs. So have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. Neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. How do we sing songs from the mountaintops when... There is within our soul so much pain or when we look out into the land that we have grown up in and where the Christian faith was once followed and revered and where there was godliness and righteousness how do we look out and and not have pain how do we sing songs of rejoicing I don't know if you feel it I've tried to live with Isaiah's desperation These chapters I'm preaching on, I've been reading for a couple of years now, just kind of thinking about when it might be time to preach on them, and I have tried to live with Isaiah's desperation. It's not easy for Christians. Uh, It's not easy for a church with a history like ours or Christians who have been Christians, many of you for so long, to admit that there are times when our prayers, much like the people of Israel appear to accomplish very little. That our prayers appear to accomplish very little. That we bring forth the wind. That we have not wrought any deliverance and that the inhabitants of the world who are so opposed to God's work, they are actually gaining ground. They are actually seem to be expanding. Or even more alarming, even more alarming, that the forces opposed to God gain ground in our own soul. That we are becoming more conformed to the world than we should be. Our day-to-day actions. I, I don't know if you feel it right now. I hope you might be able to feel on some level the desperation of what's at stake. Now, you, you might be ready to say, you know, hold on just a minute. I thought these were songs of rejoicing. You know, why the dark tones thought these were songs of rejoicing. And my answer to that is that we need to be aware and look at carefully the bigger picture that Isaiah is showing us. As I said last uh, Saturday in the sermon last week, uh, as an advocate of hope, which is uh, Isaiah is, is writing much of his prophecy as an advocate for hope. He wants Israel to be hopeful, but as an advocate of hope, Isaiah has to first show the hell that comes when the people of God forsake God. Advocacy does not have the luxury of ignoring reality. Advocacy does not have the luxury Of ignoring reality. This is what happens when people forsake God. This is what happens when the church follows the course of the world. As Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter number 2. Hell is what happens when you move from chapter 2 of Genesis. They were naked and without shame. Into chapter 3 when they become aware of their nakedness and shame due to sin. So as an advocate, Isaiah does not have the luxury of ignoring reality, which then begs the question, well, how do we respond to this? What are we to feel besides, you know, the desperation? If we want to sing songs of rejoicing on the way of holiness, then the first response should be to ask God to give us a larger vision of who he is. To ask God to give us a larger vision of who He is. And that seems counterintuitive, and here's why. Throughout much of our lifetime, modern psychology has said, look at yourself first. And the church picked up that theme, and the church was conformed to the idea of modern psychology, and most churches exist today, especially these large, massive megachurches exist today, to help people do psychology on themselves. And most of us are geared to say, well, if there's a problem, let me look at myself first. But this is not how Isaiah's prophecy works. A self-focus does not come first. First. What must come first is a big vision of a really big God. That's what needs to come first. You see, it is not until after a big vision of God is established that salvation then is pronounced in its fullness as you move through Isaiah's prophecy. If you were to read all 66 chapters, and I wish you would, the first four chapters are filled with threats, and then promises by God that he's going to actually act on the threat. And then there's a sprinkling of hope. But when you get to chapter number 5, God pronounces six woes, six judgments on his people, on Judah and on Jerusalem. And then when you get to that chapter we read, chapter number 6, Isaiah tells us that when the king died, that Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he gets this great vision of God as the thrice holy God. And then what follows immediately is a seventh woe. But it's not a judgment God announces. It's, announced, it's a, a judgment that Isaiah announces on himself. He says, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. You see, how counterintuitive that is to the way most people think, many of us have been trained to think that we first need to look at ourselves and then to some source out there to help us. When the whole tenor, the, the whole point of God's word is to say get a big vision of God and when you get a big vision of God you know what you're going to get an accurate picture of yourself and then you know after you get an accurate picture of yourself what follows then is God's mercy flowing into that judgment into that woe and just as a reminder that God does not desire the death of sinners but rather he desires that sinners turn from their wickedness and live. And that's the the movement of Isaiah. Judgment and woe, big vision of God, judgment on oneself, looking back at God and receiving mercy as the, the seraphim take the tongs from the altar and cleanse Isaiah's lips. Mercy flows into his life. And the same is true of you and me. And you know, many of us have benefited from the ministry of R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, uh, the founder of Ligonier Ministries. You know, Ligonier was born out of a deeply held biblical conviction that both formed and transformed Sproul's life. It, it's a shame, and I quote, he, he often would say, uh, what God Repeated most, we understand least. In the entire Bible, there is only one word that God repeated three times to describe Himself Holy, holy, holy. That word describes God's most elusive and frightening characteristic, His holiness. It is a subject so awesome that few have dared to approach it. His biographer observed this, R.C. did not approach it, it approached him. You know, if you and I are going to sing songs of holiness, if we're going to sing songs of deliverance, if we're going to sing songs of rejoicing, they have to flow out of hearts that have been both approached by and then overtaken by this big vision of God, this vision of God in his holiness. This is what Isaiah experienced, and we need to pray that we will experience it as well. One of the undeniable features of Isaiah's prophecy, then, is what we might call hard truths. And one such hard truth is that this holy God, this God who's very presence is so overwhelming that the only response Isaiah could give is to pronounce judgment on himself that this holy God does ordain seasons of barrenness. That's a hard truth. Abraham and Sarah knew it. Zechariah and Elizabeth knew it. Hannah knew it. Israel as a nation is experiencing it. It's a hard truth. I speak personally here. While I, while I may personally refuse to believe that the spiritual darkness and its increasing depth, that characterizes our region, while I may personally refuse to believe that it's permanent, permanent, I have to accept that it may not change while I'm ministering God's word to it, and that it may not change in my lifetime, that it may not change in our lifetime. Again, to sing songs of rejoicing will require that we develop an Isaiah-like response of saying to God, Here I am, send me. And then accepting the commission as God gives it. Isaiah, they won't listen to you or to me. Isaiah, when you preach to them, their hearts are only going to grow harder. Their ears are only going to grow more deaf. And at the end, destruction's going to come. But that stump that burns, out of it is going to shoot up a holy seed. And there's the hope. There's the hope. And you see, it's, it's, it has to be that a big vision of God capturing our lives in the midst of desperation where we so want God to do things, that only God can do, and then to accept that it may not happen in our lifetime. Under my ministry, under our ministry, under the ministry of this church. And and so the only conclusion for the one who says, here I am, send me, is simply to give full surrender to what God is doing. Try as we might, strategize as we will, pray as we can, But at the end of it all, it is God's work, and God will do his work in the time and in the way that he chooses. And that work will come through his appointed agent. The holy seed will be in the stump. And this big theme then of of a big God doing big things through his appointed servant is then like a sign Uh, that gets us on the ramp, that gets us up on the highway of holiness, where we sing these songs of rejoicing and our lives are fueled with grace and mercy and we overcome the desperation of unanswered prayers and unrealized hopes or whatever it might be and we make room in our souls because God has captured them and we see God in all of his glory and greatness and then out of that just flow songs of rejoicing even through tears, even in the midst of rejection, Isaiah would say. So I'm going to take a bit of a risk here as I close this sermon. I say it's a risk because I don't know that I've ever done this before, and if I have, it's been so long, I I can't remember. So maybe I've just never done it. But I'm going to read... um, 25 and 26 of Isaiah, and I want you to have your Bibles open. I want you to follow along. And I say it's a risk, but it's not really a risk because what I'm doing is I'm asking the Holy Spirit to, to come at your life through these words and sacred scripture in the way that he wants to come at them. Um, I guess it's a bit of a risk because I hope you will pray and I hope you'll be ready to listen and think with Isaiah as the Spirit engages you. Um, I I, I do think it's a bit of a risk because more more may be required of you than you expect as you hear these words. And you're going to have to think about them and then decide how you're going to respond to them. Or maybe on some level like me, you're a bit discouraged with the progress of your prayers and, and, and you're thinking about giving up, praying. Don't. Never give up praying. Um, and as I read this, it, it may open up new opportunities for you to consider God's bigness. This majesty that we read about from Psalm 8. And then after the reading, I just have three short questions and, uh, kind of as a response, and then we'll be all done. <clears throat> Isaiah 25, have your Bibles open and Please follow along as I read. First, let me pray. Father, I do ask for your spirit, for your spirit to engage your people right now. And let us neither grieve nor quench your spirit's work with hearts wide open, ready to be filled. Would you engage us, O God, and show us what we need to see, hear, do, be for your glory. In the name of of Jesus, amen. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made of a city a heap, of a defense city a ruin, a palace of strangers, to be no city, and shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee, the city of the terrible nations shall fear thee, for thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place, even The heat with the shadow of a cloud, the branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. A feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering, cast over all people in the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off of all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them as he that swimmeth spreadeth forth his hands to swim, and he shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And the fortress of the high fort of the, thy walls shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground even the dust. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah, We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for the walls and bulwarks. Open ye gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city. He layeth it low, he layeth it low, even to the ground. He bringeth it to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright doth weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, we have waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my soul within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked Yet he will not learn righteousness in the land of the uprightness. He will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see. But they shall see and be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. For thou hast also wrought all our works in us. O Lord our God, other lords besides thee have had dominion over us, but by thee only will we make mention of thy name. They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish, Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far unto all the ends of the earth. Lord, in trouble have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them, like a woman with child that draweth near. The time of her delivery is in pain, and crieth out in her pangs. So we have been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not brought any deliverance in the earth. Neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. The dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpast. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea, the word of the Lord. So what hope do we find and what is that hope based on? Well, Isaiah would tell us it's based on the God who created the heavens and the earth. It's rooted in the God who the Apostle Paul declares to not only command the light out of darkness, but also to command the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ to shine in our hearts. It is the glory of Christ that is his appointed agency through which salvation comes to the whole earth He alone must be the basis then of our hope, Jesus alone. And what did this glorious Christ then achieve? Well, he achieved victory, victory over the darkest day in all of human history. The day when the word made flesh was fastened to a cross of wood and in deep shame and humiliation, he was crucified in accordance with the scripture. That death, which is unlike any other death, unique because of what it accomplished. Not only forgiveness for sins, but as we just read in Isaiah, he swallowed up death in victory. No matter how dark the darkness may get, we will never experience permanent darkness For he swallowed up death and victory, and the Lord will wipe away all tears. It is because of his achievement we sing songs from the mountaintops. So let me ask, have you felt Isaiah's desperation? What do you think? How do you read the situation? And if you have felt it, have we moved then from desperation to hope? You see, there is really only one reason to believe that we have hope. And that reason is stated clearly in Isaiah 25 and verse 8. For the Lord hath spoken it. For the Lord hath spoken it. You see, it is a firm conviction that regardless of how dark the darkness may get, even those times when it appears that we have brought forth wind, that the light will come. And when the light comes, then we sing loudly from the mountaintops that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. It is the Lord who has spoken this. That's a message that we've drummed up not some human achievement, it is the achievement of God. For Isaiah, in the midst of national emergency, national forsaking of God, desperation, judgment, and for us, perhaps no different. A nation that has rejected God, a region that grows deeper in spiritual darkness, And so we have to ask, how do we keep from desperation? How do we live with hope? We rest on what the Lord has spoken. And only then will we be able to live with what many people have crocheted and hanging on their walls. Isaiah 26, right? Three, keeping us in perfect peace. The one whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee. Trust then in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah there is an everlasting strength. Amen. Now, Father, I pray that you would uh, further prepare our hearts for the receiving of your table, and that in, as we receive it, that we would be made glad by it, knowing that through Christ, the darkest day is past. And the light of the glorious news of his salvation has come. Let us sing then with rejoicing. In his blessed name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durky Town, please visit our website at www.durkytown.org.